to another edition of the John Kirkland Show. Thank you for joining me this morning. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of the new year of the 2021 year. Good morning and thank you for joining me. We have a lot to talk about, a lot to break down, but I'm going to start with the NFL and the NFL draft. We're going to start right there. So right now, the Jaguars have the number one pick in the draft and rumor has it they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. Here's my take on Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a very, very good quarterback, a three-year starter. Uh, I think he's won two national championships out of three. Uh, what can you say about, about the young man? Uh, a, a very good leader. But here's my question, and this is, this is going towards the Jaguars. If you have the number one pick, when you draft Trevor Lawrence, are you drafting for the future quarterback and saying, hey... Going forward, no matter what our season looks like, we're going to build around Trevor Lawrence. Because if you take him in the first round, number one overall, that's what I'm going to take from it. At the same time, you have the number, you have the, the, the second best player in the draft, which is the offensive tackle from Oregon. So at what point do you say, hey, we have our quarterback in Minshew. We're just going to put some line around him. Or we're going to get some protection and go that route. And then take the first pick and say, hey, we're going to get the best defensive player in the draft. You can go that route too, which would make more sense to me because you got your guy Minshew. Now, if Minshew's not your guy, the backup is not your guy, then you say, well, we're going to go with Trevor Lawrence, but for the next three years, we're going to be in a top 10 pick. We're going to get us some defense and some offense, or we're going to go offensive line right away because we've already invested into Trevor Lawrence. That's that's what I see. Now you say, well, okay, what if there's a shift in the draft where the Jaguars say, hey, we're okay with Minshew. We're going to take the best offensive tackle in the draft at number one overall. And then you're looking at the Jets, and the Jets decide that they're going to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence. So then when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, at that point, it's like, okay, is Trevor Lawrence the guy? Is Trevor Lawrence the guy at number two for the Jets? But wait a minute. You have Sam Darnold, who you draft pretty high in the draft, last, I think the year before last. So is it because Sam Darnold is not the quarterback you thought he was because you didn't provide the protection or the weapons for Sam Darnold to be successful in New York with the Jets? So it comes down to that situation. Then you're talking about with the number three pick, how do you do that? The Dolphins. The Dolphins have the number three pick, but they were a nine and five team, nine and six team. They won nine games, ten games, whatever it was. They have the number three pick, so they have two first round picks this year. They're flexible now. They can go up, down, side, whatever you want to do. They got their quarterback in Tonga Valoa, so we know they're not going to pick a quarterback. We know that. So now they're projected to take 
Makai Pearson, linebacker out of Penn State, at number three. That's pretty high for Pearson because that's not his ranking. His ranking is, is, is up there. So this draft is going to be very interesting, ladies and gentlemen, and there's a lot of questions that will be answered in this draft. But I was listening to uh, Mike Golan um, uh, early in the morning, and he talked about that the Jets drafting Trevor Lawrence is not going to solve the problem. And I 100% agree because it's not. You need more than Trevor Lawrence to win ball games in New York. You do. You need more. So I just wanted to touch on that uh, for all the listeners. Just think about that. Just put that in perspective for just a moment. Yes, I'm going to talk about the Cowboys because I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm also they're probably their biggest critic. And I'm going to let you know right now, Dak Prescott is not going to be ready for training camp. Dak Prescott needs the preseason because we need to figure out where Dak Prescott is at. Do we go with the Andy Dalton? And let me say this for Cowboys fans is what I've noticed in the last three weeks is that Andy Dalton plays well. However, when we lose, you, you, you tend to blame the coaches and the quarterbacks. Here's the thing. Andy Dalton is just a quarterback. If, I, if Andy Dalton throws the, throws the ball to a receiver and he drops it, is that Andy Dalton's fault? No, it's not. If Andy Dalton hands the ball off to Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott and they drop the ball, they fumble, whatever happens, is that, is that the quarterback's fault? No, it's not. It's their fault. Here's the thing. Mike McCarthy should not be fired. Why? Because this is his first year. Give him two more years and then talk to me. If we're struggling just the same way, then I agree. Yeah, fire him. But he's only had one year. Only one year. What is my interpretation on the quarterbacks that's coming out in this draft? You got the top three. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback from Ohio State and BYU. Let me say this right now. Number one. Trevor Lawrence, I would say right now, is the best quarterback you can take in this draft if you're going for quarterback. The second best, no doubt, Ohio State's quarterback, no doubt about it. And then the third is the BYU. Yes. In that, in that order, yes. That's, that's plain and simple. Plain and simple. But here's the thing. The thing for me is this. When you look at the top five teams, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a quarterback? Running back? Wide receiver? Because if you pick anything other than the projected players in this draft, that breaks the draft wide open. It does. What does Dallas need? From my understanding, from several sources, they're saying Patrick Sertan II would fit our secondary. Perhaps, perhaps I'm not, I'm not arguing with that. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. But here's my question for Cowboys fans. How does that change our offense? we got defense, but it's not enough to win in the NFC East. So we have to change the dynamic of the way we play. And I want to start defensively. 
I think offensively, we'll get better over time in the offensive line. But defensively is where we lack. And that's the difference between winning the first round in the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl, or whatever it is. We lack that character in defense. We got to get better. Raiders, too. Raider fans in Vegas, I forgot about you. I don't like the slander you guys are giving Derek Carr. Here's the thing about Derek Carr. Tell me this. The first problem with the Raiders, in my personal opinion, is that Mike Mayock is not the right guy for the job. He's not. He's not. At all. John Gruden is a good quarterback coach. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback this year than he was last year. You can agree or disagree. However, Derek Carr didn't have the resources to be successful either. And if he did, it was a lot of young guys that couldn't make plays. And their game didn't translate to the NFL. No excuses. Those are just the facts. However, let's turn our attention to this week's games. Starting at starting Saturday, this Saturday, Buffalo and the Colts will compete in the AFC wildcard playoff. That game can be seen on CBS at 10.05 in the morning. And then the next game will be the LA Rams against Seattle. That game can be seen at 1.40 on Fox in Seattle. Uh, Indianapolis does have to travel to Buffalo. And Tampa Bay, the nightcap on NBC. Tampa Bay will take on the Washington football team in Washington. That game can be seen at 5.15 on NBC. And then Sunday, early in the morning at 10.05 on ABC. It's going to be Baltimore versus Tennessee. That's going to be a very good game. And to me, that's a must-see That's a must-see game. And then at 140, the second game on CBS will be Chicago and New Orleans on CBS at 140. And it's going to be in New Orleans. Baltimore versus Tennessee will be in Tennessee. And Cleveland will tra- will in the night game will travel to Pittsburgh for their late night game. And that game can be seen on NBC at 5.15. That's the way it's looking for the wild card game. Now, I'm going to give you my predictions right now on each game. For Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to give you my prediction. And we're going to go week by week. We're going to go week by week. We're not going to, you know, hey, who's going to go to the Super Bowl All of that, we're going to take our time and we're going to go, you know, at least week by week. All right. Mark, write this down. Number one, I'm going to go with Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to win the first game. Uh, Number two, I'm going to go with Seattle. Seattle has the more, they're more experienced. I think Seattle is going to get the job done. And, of course, number three, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay to win. I think Tampa Bay will get the job done. So those are my three right there for Saturday. Okay, for Sunday, I think um, I think Baltimore 
has a challenge. They're not very good on the road, but I'm going to go with Baltimore because I think they'll get it done on the road. So I'm going to go with Baltimore. Okay. Um, New Orleans. I think New Orleans, they're at home. I think the Saints will win. I think they'll beat the Bears. And then I also think uh, my third my third game, I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think at home, I think, they'll, I think they can win. I don't think that Cleveland can beat them on the road. And I think with a healthy Steelers team, I think that ball, I think the Browns, they won't win. So to final cap, it's going to be Buffalo, Seattle, Tampa Bay, Baltimore. Uh, the Saints and Steelers will be my picks for uh, this weekend for the wild card uh, playoff. Now, let's talk about the NBA. I want to get to the NBA as well. And we have a lot of scores. Let me just run down the scores for uh, tonight. Uh, Houston played Indiana. Uh, the final was 107-114. Indiana wins. Uh, Cleveland versus Orlando. The final was 94-105. Orlando wins. Uh, Philadelphia versus Washington. That was a high-scoring game. Philadelphia pulls it out, and they win 141-136. Charlotte beats Atlanta 102-94. Uh, Boston beats Miami 107-105 in a thriller, uh, two-point game. Uh, New York gets another big win. They beat Utah 112-100. And Milwaukee beats Detroit 130-115. Milwaukee beats Detroit by 15, high-scoring game. Oklahoma City uh, beats New Orleans by 1, 111-110. And Toronto loses to Phoenix 123-115. And Golden State loses to the Clippers, 108-101. And Sacramento beats Chicago, 128-124. Now, let's zoom into the Golden State Warriors game. I kind of want to talk about that because a lot of people keep talking to me about Wiseman and all these other kind of guys. But let's, let's dig into it. Now, when you talk about the victory, a big game, Sergio Ibaka, he had 14 points, 12. He had... 14 rebounds, 12 points, 11 defensive rebounds uh, tonight. He was huge for the Clippers tonight. Just so that you guys understand, 14 rebounds, but 11 defensive rebounds is huge for the Clippers tonight. Also, uh, Nicholas Batum had 13 points. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 21. Patrick Beverly had 7. And Paul George had 12 rebounds. 21 points. He had a double double tonight. So Ibaka and Paul George had their tw- had had a double double tonight. But he- here's my thing: when you have four out of five starters who score in double double figures, I think that the Clippers have a great chance of of beating their opponent. Um, the Clippers shot from the free throw line; uh, they were perfect all night. But they shot 44 percent from the floor. They shot 32 percent from the three-point line, and they were able to get 108 points tonight. Now, with the with the Golden State Warriors, uh, shout out to Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he's showing me something. He had eight of he shot eight of 12, 19 points tonight. Draymond Green, another horrible night tonight. He had four points. Uh, Kelly Oubre had eight points tonight. That's not gonna cut it. Uh, James Weissman. Uh, shot 50%. He played 18 minutes. He's not playing enough. He had 10 points. 
uh, and Stephen Curry. Uh, he had a rough night tonight, 5 of 17, uh, 13 points tonight. Uh, Pascal, shout out to Pascal. And I'm, I'm huge on Pascal. I, I think he should be starting, in my personal opinion. Uh, he shot 7 of 14 for 20 minutes. Uh, he had 19 points uh, off the bench. And let me add, let me let me add this: the uh, Golden State Warriors shot poor from the three-point line. They shot 26 percent from the three-point line tonight. Uh, they 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 only made eight three-pointers out of 30. That's not going to get it tonight. Not against the Clippers. Uh, they shot 39 of 86, 45 percent compared to the 44 percent of the Clippers. So they shot just a tad bit better than the Clippers. But they failed to get the job done tonight. And, and here's what I want to say about the Clippers. Here's what I want to say about Golden State. Golden State has the ability to win these type of games. They do. Okay. The problem is, is that they have to shoot better than their competition. They have to out-rebound better than their competition. If Curry goes 5 of 17, that's not... Golden State's not going to win. Simple as that. Golden State will not win going 5 of 17. That's not going to happen. And it looks like Golden State was outscored 70 to 56. So Golden State outscored them 70 to 56, and they still lost. They still lost. 70 to 56. In the second half, and they still lost. That means that Curry couldn't shoot, and that's called Clippers defense. How do you go 70? How do you get outscored in the second half 70 to 56, and you still lost by seven? That doesn't make any sense to me. What that tells me is that Draymond Green didn't step up, which he didn't. Kelly Oubre didn't, didn't, didn't step up which he didn't. Curry had a bad night. Those things are going to happen. Let's be clear. We understand what Curry can do. So, one bad night doesn't justify this type of player that Stephen Curry is. But Kelly Oubre, I don't think so. Moving right along, I just wanted to, for my Warrior fans out there, I just kind of wanted to, you know, give you guys that. Um... Charlotte Hornets beat Atlanta tonight, 102-94. I just kind of wanted to run the stat for um, LaMelo Ball real quick. LaMelo Ball, went. he had 24 minutes. He went 6 of 12, 8 rebounds, 16 points. I just want to leave that for you right now, a rookie coming off the bench. 8 rebounds, 16 points. The number 3 pick. I just wanted to leave that there for you. Now, what is James Weissman doing? Ladies and gentlemen, is there anybody on my podcast that's going to listen tonight? Can you tell me what James Weissman is doing for the Warriors? He's a starter, and, and LaMelo Ball is not. So can you tell me what, what, what's going on? Is there anybody that can tell me? Don't worry, I'll wait. Okay, I didn't think so. I did not think so. And shout out to Gordon Hayward. Uh, he shot 15 of 25, 4 of 9 from three-point land. He had seven rebounds for 44 points tonight. He's balling. I guess when you get paid, you got to start playing. Uh, he's looking sharp tonight. Uh, Trey Young, 
Letting you guys know. You probably guys probably wonder what's going on with Trey Young. 35 minutes, 2 of 9, 0 for 3 from the three-point line. He had seven turnovers for seven points. There you go. That's why probably why they lost tonight to the Atlanta Hawks tonight. So that's your NBA wrap-up. Um, and then Sacramento, I was told, hey, man, on your podcast, man, talk about the Kings. Well, let me talk about the Kings for a moment. Let's look at the Kings for a minute. The Kings won huge tonight, 128-124. Uh, they had they put up 128 points. Buddy Hield had 10 tonight. Shot three of 15. He didn't perform very well tonight. De'Aaron Fox might be hurt tonight. Uh, he had three points. Uh, Harrison Barnes shot 70% for 37 minutes. Went three of five from free throw. Went three of four from three point line. But he had 20 points tonight. Marvin Bagley. Who cried about a trade? He went eight of fourteen from the from the field, three of five from the three point line. He had twelve rebounds for twenty one points. If he can produce that every single night for Sacramento, Sacramento might get the eighth seed because Buddy Hill's gonna play well. So if 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 Bagley can give me that every night, hey, you know I think Sacramento could do something. You know, uh, Holmes went ten of eleven for shooting, he missed one shot. He had eight rebounds for 24 points. He was the guy uh, tonight for Sacramento. Glenn Robinson had 14. And Hill Burton, uh, 35 minutes, seven rebounds for 17 points. Huge game for the uh, Sacramento Kings. And then when you look at the the Chicago, Zach Levine uh, had a great game tonight, 36 minutes, 13 of 24. He didn't shoot well from the three-point line, went three of 11. He had seven rebounds for 32 points. Uh, White, C. White uh, from North Carolina played 40 minutes, went four of nine from the three-point line, 15 of 23 from the field, seven assists for 36 points. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., 30 point, 30 minutes, went four of nine from the uh, from the arc. He had 17 rebounds tonight for 11 points. And Otto Porter Jr. had 26 minutes, one of eight. He had six rebounds for three points. And that's why they lost tonight was because of Otto Porter's uh, you know, horrible performance. You guys step your game up. And that is the wrap for the NBA. Real quick for all the fans, and I keep I keep getting this all the time. I, I, I hear this all the time. They ask me, they say, John, do you think that James Harden will be traded? I think he will be traded in due time. But I think the Rockets are going to take their time with doing this. They're not in a rush. That's why they're taking their time. They're going to see if they can get the best deal possible. I think for the trade to go through right now, the trade for them would have to be a trade that they can't refuse. It has to be a trade that we can't pass this up. We got to pull the trigger now. If they're not in that situation, I don't see James Harden leaving the Rockets right now. Just my personal opinion. Now, for the next... However long, we're going to talk about college football. And let's speed it up to 
the bowl game this Monday night, national championship. It's going to be. It's going to be the Ohio State Buckeyes against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And here's my prediction. Let me let me get this out the way right now. I'm going to go with Alabama. I think they're the most complete team in the four-team playoff tournament. I I just they're just the most complete team. Offensively, defensively, they're the most complete team. Will it be a, will it be a close game? It will be a close game based on the Ohio State defense. Can Ohio State stop Najee Harris and the running game of Alabama? Can Ohio State stop their passing game? That's what it comes down to. If Ohio State is successful in doing that, yes, it will be a close game. If they're not, we're going to know in the first quarter. But I'm going to go with Bama. That's just all there is to it. Uh, There's a 35% chance that Ohio State can upset Alabama for the championship. But I doubt it. Not going to happen. But that game can be seen this Monday night, 5 p.m. Pacific on ESPN, 7-0 Ohio State against 12-0 Alabama, 1 versus 3. And you can tune into that game on ESPN, 5 o'clock. It's going to be a tremendous game. I don't know where you're going to be, where you're going to sit. Don't know, but I'll be in the comfort of my home watching a great championship game with the newly crowned Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Congratulations. He has, there's, there hasn't been a Heisman Trophy winner to win at the wide receiver position in since 91. Just letting everybody know. Moving forward, let's talk about boxing. Let's talk about boxing. Now, I watched the fight between Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. I watched it. Now, Ryan Garcia got knocked down by Luke Campbell. Straight shot, bam, he's on the ground. And I almost lost my mind seeing that because this is a young kid that is biting off more than he can chew, in my personal opinion. And I'm going to, and, and for all the fans out there, I'm going to get to Gary Russell in just a moment. But I want to talk about Ryan Garcia. <clears throat> now, Ryan Garcia got knocked down. What did Ryan Garcia do? Ryan Garcia got back up. And he showed relentless power, speed, determination to win the fight. I give him that. 100%. But here's my question. If you get knocked down by Devin Haney, can you show me the same thing? If you get knocked down by Javante Davis, are you going to show the same thing? And of course, a fighter is supposed to say, I'm better than the competition. I don't never think a fighter should say, oh, nah, Javante Davis is better or whoever. Devin Haney's better or whoever. You're not going to say that as a professional fighter. You're going to think you're the best. You're supposed to, for sure. We get that. I think everyone gets that. But Devin Haney has not been knocked down. Not any of the fights I've seen. Javante Davis has not been knocked down. None of the fights I've seen. But I think with Ryan Garcia, and this is my opinion, that 
He's trying to follow Canelo Alvarez's steps. And my thing is this, stay in your lane. Canelo Alvarez has done some unprecedented things in the sport of boxing. To me, he's the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Pound-for-pound. Pound. We, 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 we can't even have this. It's not even up for discussion. You know, I was just telling uh, a, a good friend of mine tonight, Canelo is champion at 160, 168, and he could be champion at 170 if he wants to. So he could be champion at light heavyweight. He could be champion at super middleweight. And then, you know, at middleweight. Three weight classes. No fighter is doing that right now. No fighter is doing it right now. Either you unify or you champion that one weight class. That's it. Nobody's doing what Canelo is doing. I would say the person that's closest is Javante Davis because he's champion at 130 and 135. That's it. That's about as best as you're going to get. Now, do I think Ryan Garcia is biting off more than he can chew? Yes. Do I think he can beat Javante Davis? Absolutely not. Not right now. Because if you got knocked down by Luke Campbell, guess what? You get knocked down by Javante, ain't no guarantee you're going to get up. Leo Santa Cruz, he didn't get up. So what makes you think you're going to get up? Can you take a punch? In all essence, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to find out one way or the other. We're going to find out. And that, that, is, that is the bottom line. We're going to find out. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm not a hater. Congratulations to Ryan Garcia. He won the fight. He won the belt. He proved that he's a true champion. And also, he was relentless. He won fair and square. So I'm not here to justify how he, how he, how he won. He got knocked down, he got up, and he got the job done. What can you say? Okay, now moving forward. Gary Russell. I had a lot of respect for Gary Russell at one particular time. But when you say you are going to ignore the fact that Haney's camp sent you a contract saying we'll fight you for the 1.5 and then give you a rematch clause and you don't accept it, who's scared? Because right now, Gary Russell, you look scared. Devin Haney sent the work over. Right now, it doesn't matter what you say, uh, Gary Russell. It doesn't matter what you say. The reality of it is, you look scared on paper. You've been dominating the sport for as long as you've been in it, but we're talking about Devin Haney, who hasn't been in the sport as long as you have. So you're, you're afraid of a kid who says, look, I got 1.5. I'll fight you for the 1.5. And you turn it down? But from what several sources have told me, you wanted the 1.5. So now, you turn down the 1.5. Where are we at now? Now you're saying you're not scared. But let's go down the list here. 
Mr. Gary Russell Jr., since you since you saying all that stuff, Mr. Gary Russell, you got Leo Santa Cruz, he's still the WBA champion. And then Josh Warrington, still the IBF champion. And then you got Emmanuel Navarrete. He's still the WBO champion. So you haven't even cleared up the featherweight championship. Neither has Devin Haney. That's true. Neither has Devin Haney. But Devin Haney, to me, to me, this is just me speaking on what I see. I think Devin Haney's willing to take on all challengers. I do believe that. I will say this about his father, though. I do believe his father says, bring the noise. Bring on the challenge. So when you're talking about Devin Haney at 130, I'm, I'm sorry, at 135, we're talking about the Garcias. We're talking about the Tiafimo Lopez's. So here's here, here's the thing. And and somebody asked me this question today. Does it make sense for Tiafimo Lopez to fight Devin Haney? No. Does it make sense for Tiafimo Lopez to fight Garcia? No. Does it make sense for Tiafimo to fight Javante Davis? Yes. Why? He's a household name. Why? He fights on the biggest platform in boxing, CBS and Showtime. Right now, Tiafimo fights on ESPN. It's a decent platform, but it's not one of the biggest platforms in boxing. So that fight should be made. Javante Davis versus Tiafimo Lopez for all the marbles. Yes, that's the mega fight. Is it Ryan Garcia? No. Who will win out of Ryan Garcia and Tiafimo Lopez? Hands down, Tiafimo Lopez. He gets the job done. Because I think his body shots, I think what I've seen the last two fights, plus everyone has to remember what Tiafimo Lopez has done in two fights versus what Devin Haney and Garcia has done in one fight. So you got it, and, and, and in some respects, you have to put some respect on it, ladies and gentlemen. You have to, because look at what this man has done. Am I a Tiafimo Lopez fan? No, I'm not. My best friend is, but I'm not, right? But, I, but numbers don't lie, and I respect what this man has done in the sport of boxing. So you have to, you have to do that. You have to put some respect on it. Now, when you look at it, at the 135 mark, you got Javante Davis. Javante Davis is the lightweight champion. Now, Javante Davis fighting Tiafimo Lopez, that's automatic unification. And that's 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 the biggest money in boxing. Now, when you talk about Devin Haney, I don't think Devin Haney can produce the money that Javante Davis can. Neither do I think Ryan Garcia can. I don't think that. That's just my, my personal opinion. But I don't think any of the fights I just named is going to happen because they're going to go right to mandatories because it's going to come down to money. So what I think is this. I think that maybe with the promotions, they'll be ready. 
I think that matchroom boxing got too many hands in the pot. I think that Gary Russell got too many hands in the pot. And they still, even after the breakdown on the contract, they still want to fight Devin Haney. They still want to fight Gary Russell. Gary Russell don't want to fight Devin Haney. It, that, that's, that's a fact. He doesn't want to. And I'm seeing it more clear on YouTube. It's, it, it, it's more evident and it's more clear. He doesn't want to fight Devin Haney. He does not. Now, you can blow the smoke and tell me, oh, Devin Haney with Gamboa, with this person, that person. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Devin Haney has fought everybody he's supposed to. He's saying, look, if anybody wants the smoke, let's get the let's, let's make the contract. Let's get it done. Your team can, can talk to my dad and my team, and let's get it done. I respect Devin Haney on that one. You got to. That's that. Now, at 147 is the deepest division in boxing ever in the history of boxing right now. 147. Now, Earl Spence. Let's talk about Earl Spence. Shout out to Earl Spence, though, right? Let's give Earl Spence some due, right? Because Earl Spence literally got into a car crash that was like a life or death situation, right? And what was what was Earl Spence's response to what we thought he could not do? Earl Spence got the job done. He looked leaner, stronger. His punches were crisper. It was just a whole total different Spence than what we may have saw the previous fight against Sean Porter. I know it was a different fight. In my personal opinion. But the thing is, is this. We're in 2021. What fight needs to be made? I will say this right now. Let's say Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford, the fight cannot be made. Let's just say it's not going to happen in 2021. Let's say Earl Spence wants to fight Manny Pacquiao. Right there... That's a unification fight right there because the winner would get the IBF, WBA, and the WBC titles. You're going to rule the division at that point, which would lead to a Manny Pacquiao versus Crawford for the whole shebang. Maybe that fight could happen in 2022 if Manny Pacquiao is successful against an Earl Spence. Or Earl Spence is successful against a Manny Pacquiao. We'll see. If that fight's made. Now, I'm giving people, I'm giving you different scenarios. Now, Ugas is the WBA regular champion. Now, if Earl Spence can't get any of these fights, do you start looking at Jamal James, the WBA, the welterweight champion, interim welterweight champion? Do you start looking at Jamal James? Do you start looking at Ugas? Or do you start looking back and saying, okay, well, maybe Sean Porter would be one of the mandatories. Now, mind you, Earl Spence, he is the mandatory for the IBF championship. So at this point, if none of these big fights can be made, is there a Sean Porter for the IBF title mandatory? I think so. I think at the end of the day, this is my this is my projection for this year, Earl Spence's next fight. When it's all said and done, 
I think it's going to be Sean Porter for the IBF championship. We're going to look at a rematch. That's what I see. Because I don't see the Pacquiao fight being made. I don't see Terrence Crawford being made. And and, And I will say this for the record, ladies and gentlemen. If the Terrence Crawford fight gets made, it's because Terrence Crawford's with PBC and Al Heyman. Not because he's with Bob Arum. It's not going to happen. I can, I can tell you that right now. Now, but one thing I will say is this about Bob Arum, and Bob Arum made a very, very good point. Why would we fight Devin Haney and he hasn't fought nobody? Why would we fight Garcia and Garcia hasn't fought anybody? I get that. Terrence Crawford has cleaned up two different divisions. Now he's, he's at 147, and nobody wants to fight him at 147. So I, I, I understand what Bob Aram is saying. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you here. That's the only thing I agree on in terms of what the promotership is talking about. For sure. But I keep hearing from my friends, well, I want to see Javante in some big matches. I want to see... This, I want to see that. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. So does Leonard Ellaby. So does Mayweather Promotions and so does Mayweather. But here's, here's the thing about Mayweather. And I think we all fail to understand this is that Mayweather fought at every weight class. And guess what? He cleaned up the division. And when people wouldn't give him the fights that he wanted, guess what? He moved up to the next weight. So, Javante Davis can move up to 147, 140. Let's be clear. He can move up to 140 if he can't get these fights. But I have no doubt with Mayweather Promotions, which which they've seemed to be over the years, they're going to pull the rabbit out of their hat. And we're going to see one of the biggest fights to be made in boxing over time. Mayweather's a businessman, so I have no doubt that Javante Davis will be fighting some of the biggest no-name fighters in boxing, period, today. That's what I know about Mayweather promotions. Do I know that about matchroom boxing? No. Do I know that about top-ranked boxing? No, I don't. And I'm not saying that these fights can't get made because you're with Golden Boy, DAZN, Matchroom. We're not saying that. I'm saying from what Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather himself, from what Floyd Mayweather said, it has to make business sense. Does it make business sense? Is it a lucrative deal for Javante Davis to fight a Ryan Garcia right now? Not that he's scared. But if I made $10 million, I'm not going to fight Ryan Garcia for $4 million. I'm not going to take a $6 million cut when I'm worth $10 million now. So if I'm worth $10 million now, I'm not going to fight you for four when I can fight somebody else and make 12 who's not even a top star in the top 10. Just saying. It's all the boxing, ladies and gentlemen, is a business. It's a business. And when I see it as a business, some of these fights are not going to get made. They may get made in two years, one year, a few years down the line. 
Look at the Manny Pacquiao and look at the uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather fight. It took a long time for that fight to get made. But what happened? Mayweather got the job done. Canelo Alvarez fought Floyd Mayweather. What happened? He schooled schooled, uh, Canelo. But guess what? Canelo's the biggest name in boxing right now. He took over the sport. And guess what? Floyd already knew he was going to take over the sport. I knew that too. Adrian Broner, my guy. I love Adrian Broner. All my friends know I love AB. I'm crazy about AB. But here's here's the thing. I think for AB, I think that he needs to go ahead and, and find a tune-up fight. Get some rounds under your belt because he, he has been away from boxing for a little bit. But I think after that, fight a contender. And then after that, let's go for a world title. At 140. And I think he can fight somebody at 140. If that's his natural weight. Because from my understanding, his natural weight is 140. He said he can make 140 easy. So maybe AB's there. At 140. You know, AB can take on at 140. He could take on Josh Ramirez. I mean, I'm sorry, Jose Ramirez. He could take on Josh Taylor or Jose Ramirez or Mario Barros for the W regular for the WBA regular junior welterweight championship. I think that would be a great test for Adrian Broner to take on. I mean, just to get back into the winner's circle, I I I would say AB if he takes on a you know a tune-up fight, I think he'll be ready for Barros. I think so. I think AB will be ready for that. Now, we're going to move up to junior middleweight at 154. You got Iris Lundy Lara is the WBA regular junior middleweight champion. And you also have Jamal Charlo. Jamel Charlo, sorry. Jamel Charlo has unified the junior middleweight uh, division. He has IBF, WBA, WBC. He has all three belts. Here's the deal. I would love to see uh, Jermell fight Laura. That would be a huge fight on Showtime. And it'd be must-see TV. Because Laura's tough. Laura's Laura's tough. Laura has fought Canelo. Laura is tough at 154. I would love to see that fight. That'd be a good fight. Who would I take? Of course, I got to go with the Charlo. You already know. Patrick Teixeira, I would love to see that towards the end of the year, maybe November, Jamel Charlo versus Teixeira on Showtime. I would love to see that. Maybe a Showtime co-promote with ESPN if Teixeira's with top rank. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. That'd be, that'd be, I mean, that'd be a huge unification fight, and I think nobody would be able to mess with Jamel. That'd be, that'd be just tops. Moving right along. You got the middleweight division at 160. And right now at 160, Canelo Alvarez is the franchise champion at the WBC champion. But right now the WBA championship is vacant. You got Ganali Golovkin. He's the IBF champion. Middleweight champion would be the WBO champion, Demetrius Andre, and then Jermail Charlo has the WBC. So 
if I'm Jamel Charlo, do I start looking at maybe Chris Eubanks? Eubanks is WBA interim uh, middleweight champion who has the belt now. Can we look at a Canelo? Can we look at a Royalta Maruta? Is the WBA regular middleweight champion as well? So do we do we start looking at those type of fights? If 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 you're Charlo, if you can't get the fight with Gennady Golovkin, or if you can't get the fight with um, Canelo Alvarez or Demetrius Andre, I would love to see Jamel Charlo, Jamal Charlo fight Demetrius Andre, Demetrius Andre at 160. I would love it. That would be must see. TV, and I think it'd be a great challenge for uh, Jamal Charlo. I think it'd be a great challenge. Oh my God, it'd be it'd be huge. I would love to see that. And then moving on to 168. Now 168 is starting to be competitive. You're starting to see a lot more guys win championships. Uh, the WBO champion Billy Joe Saunders, the IBF champion Caleb Plant, and the WBA, the WBC can, uh, champion. Canelo Alvarez. Now, Canelo Alvarez is also the WBC franchise champion at the middleweight at 160, and he's also the champion at 168. So here's here, here's the deal for Canelo. When you're champion, you have two belts in one, one in the other. The, the, the question becomes for me, do you stay at middleweight and see if you can get a Jamar Charlo, Chris Eubanks, Demetrius Andre, or maybe entertain a Triple G for a third for a third fight, Triple G. Or do you say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the middleweight division. I'm looking at Billy Joe Saunders. Let's see if we can make that fight. Or Caleb Plant. I think Caleb Plant will be more realistic if he was to fight at 168 would be the next fight, depending if Caleb Plant can get past the fight that he's going to be fighting pretty soon, which is in February, I think that Caleb Plant would not even be competition for Canelo Alvarez. I think Canelo Alvarez will, will knock him out, and and that's all she wrote. You know, to me, to me, I think Canelo should be fighting at light heavyweight. He should be fighting Gene Pascal for the WBA regular light heavyweight championship, or he should be fighting Demetria Belavi. For the WBA 175 uh, championship. And here's the thing. The WBO championship is vacant because Canelo gave it up. So let's, 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 let's be clear about that. Now, for the heavyweight championship of the world, I will say this. Shout out to Anthony Joshua. He lost his titles, got the titles back. And then defended it. He defended the he defended the titles, got the job done. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Shout out to uh, Anthony Joshua. I, I always want to put respect. You know, when you're on the John Kirkland show, we 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 want to put respect on it because that's what we're all about. Because I know if I was a fighter. And I went through adversity, and I won the championship. I will want somebody to put some respect on my name. So yes, we're we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're gonna put some respect on Anthony Joshua's name. Now, the WBC champion Tyson Fury. What are my thoughts on 
him trying to fight Joshua, but he won't meet his contractual obligations with Deontay Wilder. Here's my thing. You're a coward if you don't fight Deontay Wilder first before Joshua. Here's why. Whatever issues you had, that's fine. But guess what? Deontay Wilder gave you a chance. Without Deontay Wilder, you wouldn't have had a chance. He didn't have to give you a chance. He could have moved on to Anthony Joshua or whoever. But he wanted to give you a chance. He gave you a chance. And guess what? It turned into being a tie. Then you beat him. He's saying, hey, I got a rematch clause. Give me my rematch clause. So because he didn't fight at the time you want him to fight, I want to fight Joshua in London, England as one of the biggest fights in the heavyweight division. And guess what? I'm going to fight him for all the titles. We're going to dismiss Deontay Wilder. No. You got a contract obligation where you need to fight Deontay Wilder. Now they're saying, well, we'll give up the title. We'll vacate the titles for the fight. I say this. If you want to fight Anthony Joshua so bad, vacate the WBC title or give it back to Deontay Wilder and then fight Anthony Joshua without the WBC title if you want it that bad. I think that's fair to me because you're no longer the WBC champion. You're fighting Anthony Joshua with no ties to the contract and saying, hey, I'll go ahead and give Deontay Wilder the belt as the interim champion. Guess why? He was going to be champion anyway had he fought me when we were supposed to fight in February because I was going to get knocked out because I do believe Deontay Wilder would knock his ass out. That's just the bottom line. And you can sit here and you, y'all can argue with me. Y'all can tell me about Tyson Fury. Y'all can tell me whatever y'all want to tell me. That's fine. Do I think somebody spiked his drink? No. Do I think Deontay Wilder lost fair and square? Yes, I do. Sorry, I do. I do. Did Deontay Wilder get his ass whooped? Yes. Why? Because he wasn't focused. He wasn't on. He wasn't the Deontay Wilder we know he could be. That's fair to say. Now, if there were some cheating issues, if there was some bullshit going on, we didn't know. But when you go back to the tape, guess what the tape reveals? Got his ass whooped. That's all you can say. That's all you can say. And that's all I can say. And I'm the hugest Deontay Wilder fan there is. So, in in 2021, if Deontay Wilder fight can be made, if the Tyson Fury can't be made, I would love to see Anthony Joshua fight Alexander Povekian. And Povekian is the WBC interim heavyweight champion. I would love to see that. I would love to see that fight. That fight can't be made. But in closing, we're going to close out the the John Kirkland show. And I I want to say this. All my friends call me all the time. And they say, hey, John, man, what happened to whoever? What happened to Broner? What happened to this? What happened to this guy? The reality of it is, is this. I don't know what happened to him. What I do know is this. I can't stand when somebody say 
Terrence Crawford is the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world. Not pound-for-pound the best fighter at 147, but the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Then they say Ryan Garcia. Then they say all these different Javante Davis. None of those guys are pound-for-pound. They may be pound-for-pound in the weight class. Sure. Sure. Those guys can have it all day. Is at 147 pound for pound challenger wise. Yes, you're talking about. You're talking. To, you're, you're talking about Chance Crawford for sure. He's the best at 147. I believe he's the best. Period. Hands down. I think he's the best challenger to take on Earl Spence, and that's the that's the fight to be made. Not Pacquiao for sure. I, I get it 100. But here's my thing. If you're not championing two different classes, like Javante is and Canelo, I'm going to tell you right now, number one is Canelo, number two is Javante Davis. Now, Tiafimo is going to disagree because he, he, he has three titles. But I'm going to end my show with this. You're only champion. You're only the best in the world pound for pound is if you can lead three different weight classes at three different times. And guess what? Canelo Alvarez has done that. Pound for pound, he's the best fighter in the world. Nobody's better than Canelo Alvarez. Period. Period. I don't care what anybody say. Number two, Javante Davis. Javante Davis got two belts in two different weight classes at two different times. Terrence Crawford would be number three. Earl Spence will be number four. Tiafimo Lopez will be number five. That's it. I just want to say thank you, everyone, for tuning in to my show. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. This is the first show that we're having of the new year. And we will continue to bring you content of the John Kirkland Show every Wednesday night. Tune in 11 p.m. to uh, a.m. Eastern Time, 11 p.m. Pacific. John Kirkland Show. We're going live. Tune in next week. We're going to have a bunch of things to talk about, or at least I will. Tune in next week, the John Kirkland Show. Thank you for turning. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great morning.